Welcome to the Commonwealth Club of California. I'm John Zipperer, the club's vice president of media and editorial. We hope you are staying safe and are well wherever you are. And we look forward to seeing you in person one day again at the Commonwealth Club's headquarters in San Francisco. Until that happens, we are doing all of our programming online. This is just the latest in 350 online programs the club has produced in the past eight months. You can find all of our upcoming programs, as well as podcasts and video from our past events at commonwealthclub.org. Now, if you're watching us live on YouTube, use the chat box to submit questions for our esteemed panel, and we'll try to work some of those into our conversation today. And it is an important conversation. Coming just days after the Electoral College confirmed Senator Kamala Harris's election as Vice President of the United States, the question becomes even more important. Who should California Governor Gavin Newsom choose to replace Harris in the Senate? Just like you, I'm looking forward to hearing what our special guests on our panel have to say. And to moderate this discussion, we have Carolyn Weisner, host of the C-Dub Show podcast and president of San Francisco Pride. Carolyn, good to see you again. Hi, John. Thank you so much. And thank you so much to all the Commonwealth viewers for having me here again. I always give a warm warning. This is the most informal show you will probably ever see on the Commonwealth Club thread. And it is a very important topic that we're going to be discussing today. And I do have an incredible esteemed panel to have this discussion. As, J as um, John said that you know, we've just finished a very historic election where we we voted our first African-American woman to the vice presidency of the United States, Senator Kamala Harris. Senator Kamala Harris was elected to the U.S. Senate here in California in 2016, and she's going to leave a great huge void in the Senate. She was the only African-American woman representing um, the United States here on the Senate. And so we have an incredible panel, and I want to start with Assemblymember Weber, who we know has some important legislative work that she has to get back to today. Um, she was also elected the chair of the Electoral College, so she got to formalize Vice President-elect Harris's win. Thank you so much, Assembly Weber, for being here. And I want to ask you a very important question that I'm going to get to the rest of the panel. What is truly at stake with this appointment that Governor Gavin Newsom is going to be making sometime in the next few weeks? Well, I think what's important, and it's become apparent to so many, um, and I chair the California Legislative Black Caucus, and the Black Caucus has, has, has looked at this situation and realized that, one, there are very few African Americans in the U.S. Senate. Uh, they're only, uh, you know, when you start looking at the numbers of the Senate and you see the other groups that are represented, there are very few of us. Uh, there are only two Democrats and one Republican at this point, and only one African-American woman uh, from any state, and that was Kamala Harris. So uh, that stands out uh, very glaringly that uh, there will be a void in the Senate with regards to that, not just from California, but, you know, other states need to look at themselves as well and take some responsibility uh, for the fact that African-American women have not been uh, elevated to that position other than from the state of Illinois. Uh, so, uh, so number one, it, 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 it's, there's going to be a void. Uh, we also recognize the fact that Senate seats don't come often, uh, that the senators serve uh, their terms are six years. When you look at the number of years that senators have served, it's quite extensive. California has not had an opportunity to select a senator since um, uh, since Kamala Harris's election. Before that, probably was like 20-some-odd years. And together, the two senators make up anywhere between 40 to 50 years between the senators Boxer and Feinstein. So these are rare appointments. These are rare times, rare opportunities for individuals to get on the U.S. Senate. And uh, we see the, the longevity of those who served in the Senate. And um, so when one gets an opportunity to get to 
the Senate, and it, they don't have term limits. Uh, it's a rare experience. It's a, it's a small group of 100 electors, um, elected officials who are there making uh, decisions for the entire nation. And so uh, as a result of that, clearly the absence of, of Kamala Harris in that seat uh, that we African-American women fought very hard, all women did, across the state to change the uh, to actually add an African-American woman to it, it makes it even more uh, an item of concern, not only for California, but I think across the nation, we see women across the nation realizing that there are not a lot of Senate seats that are up, that don't have incumbents, there are not a lot of empty seats. And uh, and as a result, uh, if, if there's not an African-American woman in the seat from California, that means that there probably won't be an African-American woman, maybe for the next six to 10 or more years, uh, actually, uh, winning those seats. You have to win a statewide election. So it's no easy feat, uh, and it's a lot different than the congressional seats. So let me ask you this then, Assemblymember Weber. Let's kind of set the stage for how we got to where we are now. Can you please take us back to 2016 and really tell a lot of our viewers about the fight to even get Senator Harris into that seat? What was that like trying to get that only the second African-American woman um, into the Senate at that time? Well, you know, it was it was it was interesting because there were um, two women who were really fighting in the Democratic Party for it. One was African American, and one was a Latina, and uh, and there was a battle for the Demo- for the Democrats from the Democratic Party for it in terms of getting that particular individual, Kamala Harris, endorsed by the party and eventually elected to that position. Um, Boxer had been in the seat for over twenty years, and. Um, she decided to retire. Fortunately for us, we had a woman, uh, Kamala Harris, who had a statewide recognition, uh, who, was a, who was our attorney general at the time, and therefore could basically raise a significant amount of money as well as get, the, get a coalition of women and men as well to, to basically support her. Uh, it became a real issue that, you know, we wanted an African-American woman in that seat. And fortunately for us, uh, we had someone who was able to run a good race, uh, and we had the support, interestingly enough, of an awful lot of Latinos who supported Kamala Harris for this position. So it's important to understand that that even that the number of African Americans in the state of California is not a large population. And so as a result, uh, the coalitions that were formed were not all just among African Americans, but really among Latinos uh, and 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 white women and men to to basically propel uh, Kamala Harris forward. She had a good reputation. She came out of the Bay Area in terms of of being the AG there and serving as the, uh, uh, as the, well, she was the district attorney in the Bay Area. And then serving as the AG uh, in California gave her high, high visibility uh, and allowed her to basically get tremendous support for that seat. A lot of energy went into it, not just among African-American women, but all women uh, supported the fact of having the, an African-American woman in the Senate uh, because there hadn't been one uh, since Carol Mosley Braun, which was several years before. Uh, and she only served one term. So, um, so these are rare, rare seats, and, and people recognize that. And I don't, I'm not even sure if, if when, uh, when she was nominated for vice president that, that it, people factored in at that moment that this would mean an absence of that seat. You know, it, 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 it was, people were so excited about the vice presidency that they didn't think, oh, wait a minute, you know, what will this mean? You know, because there are all these effects that happen when one thing happens, there's another and there's another. So I don't think we all factored into it at the time of what it would mean. And as people began to look at them, then we realized that this was going to be a, a, a void in terms of an African-American a woman, not only just from California, 
but in the national scene itself. And so uh, California bears an additional responsibility at this point as because we have the only African-American woman. And, but I keep telling every other state that, you know, this one woman is not sufficient. And, <laughs> you know, the fact that we're so eager and anxious about it is a reflection of the nation and what the nation has not done in terms of encouraging and supporting African-American women to run for the Senate. I mean, that that is more of a message than anything. You know, whatever our victory is with this seat or not, it, it should be a wake-up call for all states to say, wow, look at here. We've had one African-American woman, and that woman was in Illinois, and she did one term, you know, and so, and that's rare for a senator. Uh, so what what lack of support have we given to African-American women in the 50 states uh, that's there? And so, uh, yeah, we, we, you know, I think we all feel, and, 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 and probably the governor and everybody else feels a sense of a weight that's on us. But it should be a weight on the nation to wake up called because we have these elections every two years at, the, at some level of Senate. And we have not encouraged, supported uh, African-American women to run for those seats. Um, and even when we if we get this the Georgia situation, uh, it will be an African-American male. It will not be a female, you know. So um, we got some we got some homework. We got some work to do across this nation, in the 50 states in terms of what is happening to African-American women. And I want people to think about that because whatever happens in California uh, happens, but we need to deal with what's happening across the nation in terms of these leadership positions that African-American women uh, are not basically being encouraged to run because it takes a lot to run for a statewide office, particularly a state as large as California. And even some of the smaller states have not necessarily pushed African-American women to run for those positions. And there are some states that are probably uh, a little bit larger than my district and have not encouraged African-American women to run for those positions. And uh, so we need to, you know, I think we all are in a wake-up moment, at least I am, when I began to really realize that that I haven't been pushing for African-American women as hard in every state to basically take the new challenge. And these things, these moments come around in a rare moment because it's all, because of the way the lack of term limits that are there. Yeah. So, so let me ask you one last question, Assemblymember Weber. I know you have important work to get to, but you kind of already leaned into my next question. One thing that I've seen across social media is that there's been so many women from so many different positions in doing community work that are really championing this issue. We see it here on our panel. There have been community organizers. There have been political strategists. People from all over the, the country and all over the spectrum are fighting for this. And it's not really just about the Senate seat. Can you talk to us a little bit about your positioning as an assembly member and kind of looking at the different um, positions across the legislative landscape, assembly member, school board, city council? What is What are we not doing and what do we need to do as far as getting more Black women in these positions and in these pipeline positions? Well, we, we have to really, uh, I think, begin to... Um, and, and I'm, I'm guilty of it as well. You know, we, we, we need to begin to look and say, you know, uh, there are some very good women who need to be encouraged. You know, I started a group called uh, Be Wild, the Black Women's Institute for Leadership Development in San Diego, because I'm the first African-American that's ever been elected to the state house uh, in the history of California from any position south of Los Angeles. That is criminal. That is ridiculous that I'm the first. I mean, you know, and so so when I and when I ran, I, I didn't really think wanted want to run because I was busy doing other things, but I realized that I was the only person who could actually win the seat because of the things I had done. And and so when I ran and won, I I I said to myself, I may be the first, but I will not be the last. 
okay? And so I have been organizing women in San Diego and encouraging them so that we have women now on our city council. We've got a, a young mayor in in, in one of our uh, my surrounding cities. Uh, and we have women who run for the Board of Supervisors. And, and whether they win or not, they learn a lot about the process and they're getting themselves prepared for leadership and serving on commissions and boards. So we've, I've been pushing young women and older women to really get engaged. Uh, and unfortunately, we have not had a person in San Diego who did that. The person who pushed me to run uh, for, for the assembly seat was actually the speaker of the assembly, was, was a white woman who, who wanted me to run. And she's been pushing me to do different things. And so it really is important that we have to start organizing and pushing Black women into these positions, giving them the support they need, the resources, introducing them to people who will help raise money. I mean, all these things are sometimes, uh, they, 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 they elude us because we're not in the center and in the circle to do it. So we have a tremendous challenge. I think Black women are the worker bees. We're the ones that get the meeting together. We're the ones that knock on the doors. We're the ones that, raise, that, that help to, to uh, cook the chicken if we're going to have a potluck or something happening. We are the ones who get the stuff done, okay? We have to now say, okay, we get that done, but now we got to get to this other level. And we need to recognize that when we, I started looking at the structure of California and the absence of Black people, whether it's in the constitutional officers, whether it's in the Senate, uh, in, in the assembly, there are only there are three of us Black women in the assembly now, and none in the Senate because Holly Mitchell left. So we've got to fill that slot. So the numbers of Black women are not that large in elected positions in California. So we're going to have to start organizing ourselves better in this state to accomplish that and to support women. But we're also going to have to do it across the nation. So it is extremely important. And there's a difference made when we're in the room versus outside the room. When you're in the room, you can do things that are preventive. You can make things happen. You can, you can organize in a different way. When you're only outside and banging on the door, it, you, you get some things done, but the energy and effort is a whole lot harder. Uh, one of my friends who was, used to be mayor of San Diego always said, if you're not at the table, you're on the menu. And that is so true. You know, and so you want to be at the table and rather than being on the mid having everybody talk about you. You want to be in the room setting, of course. OK, listen, unfortunately, well, I'm in another meeting with the speaker at this time. Yeah, but but thank you guys for having me. Uh, you know, this is an important conversation that we have to continue uh, forever about how we're going to encourage black women to take leadership roles in, in, in the state, but also in the nation and what it means to really support us and open these opportunities that we have never even there, there are places we only that you we've never been in terms of fundraising and that and those kinds of things that are that, that we don't have the knowledge of that we have to really share with everybody else so that so that people understand the process of running for office and how to be effective and successful in accomplishing it and uh, we're a long way off from it but at least this is a wake-up call that it's not as just a state issue, but it's a national issue. And we have to address the issue of Black women engagement in the power structure. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Assembly Weber, for joining us. And I look forward to continuing this fight with you. Thank you. Thank you. And I want to I want to move on to Alicia, and, and I want to kind of stay on that topic of so many different Black women from across the spectrum, across the community, who are invested in this process. I think when it first started, people thought that it would be centralized just to women that were specifically in elected office or political positions. But what is where are you coming from as far as being a community organizer? We all know you as the founder of Black Lives Matter, but you also are the principal at the Black Future. I'm sorry, I'm going to say it wrong. The Black Futures Fund. 
Like, and you all do some very important work, um, encouraging and teaching young Black folks how to do an effective policy. So where are you coming from in advocating for this appointment? Sure. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. And it's so good to be on here with all of you. You know, as I was listening to Assemblymember Weber, who is a legend and a hero for so many of us, um, I was thinking about a few things that um, are important for this conversation. And, you know, one of the things I always struggle with, and this is just true in terms of Black organizing in particular, is that, you know, it is true 100% that we should not be going backwards in the sense of going from one Black woman, one, <laughs> in the entire U.S. Senate to zero Black women in the entire U.S. Senate. That's a big deal. But bigger than that, I think we tend to use Black as a symbol for the values that we want to see in a place that is making decisions about our lives, about um, our experiences, and about our ability to make decisions over our own lives. And I think that that is actually really what's at stake here. I mean, Assemblymember Weber really laid out the case for what happened in 2016 when uh, Vice President-elect was uh, Harris was elected uh, to the United States Senate. And it's true, she was running against another woman of color, a Latinx woman. And when Assemblymember Weber said that, you know, a, a, co a multiracial coalition came together to support uh, then U.S. Senator Harris for her seat, it was because right, people wanted to see the values that she represented, her position on the issues inside of this larger governing body. And we wanted to see the experiences of a Black woman who has been um, radicalized right, by her uh, experiences with racism and sexism at the same time, bring that experience into what it means to make the rules that shape our lives. And so that to me is what's really at stake, right? That, that what we know is that even in a race where there's multiple women of color, right? Women of color are saying, hey, well, we need somebody who is going to move the progressive agenda around the things that we care about, not just any agenda. It's not enough for you to just fill that seat, child. You need to be in there and really working to make sure that our lives are better. And that's really the position that we take at the Black to the Future Action Fund. We don't support Black people just to support Black people, because we know that's gotten us into trouble, child, from Clarence Thomas all the way to Daniel Cameron over here in Kentucky, we can't afford to do that because not everybody that looks like us is for us. But what is for us is a set of values that we need to move forward. And I think those values are also represented in California. California is seen as a national leader in terms of progress. And what happens in this state, the fifth largest economy in the world, actually sets precedent for what happens across the nation. And so that is why it is important for um, not just a Black woman, but Black women with our values to be in that seat. And we have said that we want to see either uh, um, Assemblymember Karen Bass or we want to see uh, Congresswoman Barbara Lee. And the reason for this is because both of these women are not only Black women, but they are Black women with a vision for how to make all of our communities 
better, how to make sure that we can all progress, how to make sure that we all have an opportunity to succeed and how to make sure that we all are able to live with dignity and respect. And I will say, and I said this before and I'll say it again, um, black women were critical to this election cycle and all election cycles, frankly, and so were women in general. And I, I think that what is interesting here for me is that when I see the decision that the governor has in front of him, and I, I hear uh, First Lady Newsom talking about how gender equity is um, California's promise and that she planned really to use this platform to advance an agenda of gender equity, I can't help but feel that feeling that so many of us women experience, and in particular, women who are marginalized, right, um, in other ways, whether it be through race, whether it be through gender identity, et cetera, of being passed over for a position that we are uniquely qualified for, okay? Both of these women have been in Congress forever, okay? They know how to run things. They have built the relationships. They've been, built the seniority. And to know that the governor has been weighing options and I've only seen names of men, I can only imagine how these two accomplished, qualified women with seniority in their roles might feel knowing that they were not at the top of the list and that everybody else was a contender. So that is what I think is at stake here. And I know for one thing, um, it's not a question of whether or not Governor Newsom needs to make this decision. It's like, it shouldn't have been a question in the first place. And I think for me as a black woman, I'm in my feelings about it. I'm, I'm, I'm very, very offended by it myself. I, you know, we getting real informal. I'm over here snapping. I don't think the host should be snapping. But anyway, <laughs> but anyway. So Amy, I want to ask you this, and this is something that I've gotten a lot in social media, and I even see some of the, the folks in the chat asking this question. And I know that you, you're the pre president of Democracy in Color um, since 2016, and you've worked with She the People, and you really champion women of color um, being in these positions. But why specifically a Black woman? We understand that Kamala Harris is the first African-American woman to be vice president, but she's also the first South Asian woman to be vice president. So why are we asking specifically for a Black woman to fill that seat? I love uh, Alicia teed us up perfectly by talking about values. We have to acknowledge that Black women are playing a very unique role in leading the country right now. We're not just... The, the, the most effective organizers, not only in California, but across uh, the country. We're not just the highest turnout group of voters and the most loyal Democrats. We're not just the people that led multiracial coalitions in the states that mattered, that delivered the White House. We are actually uh, uh, governing with our full humanity in view. We have Black women who are supported by multiracial coalitions, women of color, people of, of uh different races and genders who are getting behind uh, the women who they know need to be fighters and need to be ready to govern on day one. Uh, we have two excellent, excellent uh, 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 candidates uh, for the appointment. Uh, our senator, our, our, hopefully our senator, our uh, Congresswoman Barbara Lee um, in representing us here in Oakland, uh, Congresswoman Karen Bass in LA, both are highly respected. Both have uh, a legislative history that shows that they're ready to fight for the, the issues in the Senate. 
that matter the most right now, both unite parts of the party across race and gender, they're ready to go. I say all that to say that black women are now being recognized as an electoral force and need to be recognized as a legislative force. Uh, I am heavily uh, invested in having a black woman in this seat that's being vacated by VP-elect Kamala Harris uh, for the reasons that we need uh, unwavering um, moral force, clarity uh, to fight in the Senate on not only on the behalf of Californians, the 40 million of us here, but uh, nationally, what's at stake? We're in the middle of a pandemic and an economic crisis that's not gonna go away in January. There are millions of people, not only in California, but across the country who are having trouble affording food and shelter right now, who do not have health care, uh, who, uh, who are facing the ravages. I just had another friend uh, whose brother passed away from COVID this morning. This is a crisis that will continue to be felt and we're gonna be suffering. And black and brown communities in particular, we uh, have uh, bills that are sitting on McConnell's desk, bills that women of color who are uh, progressive fighters in the house pull together um, in order to get relief packages in place and put them on McConnell's desk that are waiting there. And the whole country who wants relief is looking at the Senate. They're asking the black women in Georgia, who were the center of a multiracial force that, that flipped that state for uh, the White House, they're asking black women in Georgia to turn out again in three weeks and win two Senate seats for the Democratic majority. And we have a situation where the governor of California would even consider not putting a black woman in that seat while the rest of the country asked black women to deliver the majority for the Democrats. The fact that we could have a Senate with no black women's voices, given that we have been uh, front and center uh, fighting against Trump and all the, the policies that Trump has pushed, um, defending people in our own community and others, and calling for a politics that, that serves the people. The fact that that could even be a consideration is uh, deeply offensive. And uh, it's not time to turn uh, the Democrats uh, and uh, the governor to turn their back on black women. Um, we're often, California is not necessarily looked at as a, a, you know, a place where it has like concentrated black community, certainly not Northern California, but we have more black people in this state than Mississippi and Maryland and Virginia and Georgia. We're a huge state. It isn't though just that we have a lot of black people that deserve to have a reflective democracy and representation. It's that black women are uniting a multiracial force, both Congresswoman Barbara Lee and Congresswoman Karen Bass. They're ready to go. The way that this has been described as a clash between black and brown is missing the mark. Uh, I joined Alicia Garza and, and a number of amazing um, other leaders last week, uh, women um, uh, across race who were calling for a black woman in that seat. And I'll remember Dolores Huerta, uh, someone who's a hero of mine wow. saying that as a Latina, she believes that this is a unique and critical moment in history and that we need a black woman in that seat as a giant step forward in political equality and representation. So my uh, strong belief is that we cannot miss this opportunity. The government, the governor cannot turn his back on what the people of California decided when they voted for Kamala uh, Harris for senator. And Kamala Harris is one of the most progressive voting records as a senator. 
we need to continue that. I strongly believe that uh, the Congresswomen uh, that we've been talking about and putting forth would, would do a beautiful job in that. Um, and we should not uh, stop putting pressure on until that decision is made. And I want to say that I didn't know that the amazing Amy Allison was from Contra Costa County. So shout out Contra Costa County because we got amazing black women. Antioch, what are you talking about? Antioch High School. <laughs> the U.S. I'm not ready now. I'm not ready yet. I want, to, I want to move on to Kimberly Ellis. Kimberly is the brand new director of the San Francisco De Department on the Status of Women. And I want to reference a conversation. Kimberly and I were on the same Commonwealth Club stage in, on May 29th. We did a show called What Does Politics Demand of Black Women? I, I encourage anyone who's watching this thread. We have so many people from across the nation who are turn, tuning in. Once you get off of here, go back to YouTube, Google What Does Politics Demand of Black Women, and you can check out that amazing conversation. But I'm going to ask you, Kimberly, another, a question that I asked you on that same show, which seems so much more appropriate now. I was talking to Shay, who was actually organizing this amazing coalition of Black women. Um, for this Congress or for this Senate seat. And I said, you know, it always feels like Black women have to fight and claw for our seats, but we're always being asked to go out and fight for everybody for their seats. So can we, we talk a little bit about, as Alicia said, the disrespect of Black women and the historic role of Black women in the Democratic Party? Yeah. Well, first of all, let me just say that I um, always feel like I'm going to church when I'm in a conversation with Alicia Garza and um, the brilliance of Amy Allison is something that, um, that I think a lot of people slept on until this year and, and, and her work at She the People really um, demonstrated the force that she is and, and the force that the coalition of women of color with black women at the vanguard meant for, for this country. But let me just go back to what that original uh, conversation about was about and the question that it called, which was, what does politics demand of black women? Um, and I think um, what it demands of us is everything and then some. And um, it's a good thing that Black women, though, are all that and a bag of chips and able to oftentimes deliver in every respect. But what it demands of us is everything and then some. Um, you know, I want to go back to a lot of the things that have already been said, because I think it's important to, to, to pull it up and to tease it out. Um, um, Shirley Weber is an assemblywoman. However, I refer to her as Dr. Weber. And I think especially in light of the conversation that we've been having over the last week uh, around that title, uh, I think it's even more so important that we, that we uh, give her credit uh, for the credentials that she brings to any table that she's sitting at. So Dr. Weber shared that, you know, Black women are oftentimes the worker bees. Um, and that has been true. And I think that it is now time for us to uh, assume positions as queen bees, um, especially when it comes to um, issues and policies that are impacting our communities disproportionately uh, negatively than, than, other, than other communities. Um, Leisha shared that, you know, um, even having to have this conversation has her in her feelings. Uh, many of us share that. We're feeling a certain kind of way. I would put an even finer point on that. I think it's important, especially now when so much is on the table, that we not mince words. And many of us are deeply disappointed in Governor Newsom that we are even having to have this conversation, that we are even having to waste our time and our energy focusing on this when we should be able to 
uh, be lending our, our time, our talent, our treasure, our support to our brothers and sisters who are in uh, Georgia trying to secure that seat. Um, and so um, we are deeply disappointed um, to the points that have been made earlier, the fact that we are even entertaining uh, the idea of replacing the only black woman with a man, regardless of his race, is offensive. It's deeply offensive, especially uh, to the point that was raised about um, a couple um, with the governor and the first partner um, who have shared that gender equity um, is at the center of a lot of the things that they do. So um, I think that it's important that we, that we understand that California, as the fifth largest economy in the world, has not just an opportunity, but an obligation to lead um, in every respect, and especially with this respect, uh, on this issue. Uh, Governor Newsom has before him right now um, the ability to set the stage for a future that includes more women, more women of color, and in particular, more Black women seated at decision-making tables at every level and across the country. Um, or alternatively, he could set back uh, not just women, women of color and Black women in California, but across the country. Um, Dr. Weber uh, shared in her remarks that this is not just a California issue, it's a national issue. And what's at stake is everything from racial um, equity to environmental equity to economic equity to Black maternal care. Um, everything that is important to us is at the table. And I'll just close by saying that, you know, what I find especially interesting is that Black people in South Carolina saved uh, Joe Biden's uh, uh, campaign. Black people then again with Black women uh, organizers at the Vanguard saved this country and snatched it from the jaws of death um, during uh, the presidential election. And now black women organizers and black people are on the verge of saving the US Senate with the work that is being done in Georgia right now. Uh, more than 170,000 voters voted on the first day of voting in Georgia. That surpassed the number of early voting in the presidential election. So we are primely positioned to secure those seats and, and all this saving that black people and black women have been doing. It's really interesting that no one thought it important to save us a seat at that table that we've been building. Um, and so um, for not just because it's the right reason, but because it's the moral um, thing to do, uh, Governor Newsom should appoint a black woman and there are two eminently qualified candidates that we have put before him. He should choose one of them and he should do so uh, quick, fast and in a hurry. So I'm gonna stick with you, Kimberly, cause I just love talking to you and, and all of you know that I love tea. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring a, a name into this conversation. You know, let's talk about Senator Dianne Feinstein. Dianne Feinstein has been the US Senator, the senior US Senator since 1992 when I was in seventh grade. I will be 42 years old in the next month and a half. So let's talk about, you know, she recently said that she's advocating for Governor Newsom to appoint a, a Latino to the U.S. Senate spot. Um, however, in 2018, when she was running against a very qualified Latino man who ran a, a great campaign, who got the party itself to actually turn its back on Dianne Feinstein and endorse him, she did not step away from her seat then. So it feels to me, Kimberly, that 
people of color are being forced to fight over a bone that we shouldn't have to to save white folks in these positions. Can you talk a little bit more about Black and Latinx folks being put in this position again by white Is Why are we not instead fighting for Brian Feinstein to give up her seat so we can have both a Black and Latino person in our U.S. Senate? Yeah. Well, you know, I think that it raises the very real issue that we're dealing with, which is this false narrative that um, we have to give this, if we give the seat to a Black woman, it is at the expense of the Latinx community. That is a false narrative. Um, Black people and Black women have always uh, built uh, community and coalitions that are both deep and wide. It speaks to the values uh, proposition that Amy uh, raised earlier. People know this about Black people. They know it about Black women, uh, that when we, um, when as we climb, we lift. We bring other people with us. Um, and so we, um, we are very clear that this is not a Black uh, versus Brown issue. Um, this is very much about ensuring that there is racial equity, that the voices, the perspectives, the lived experiences of Black women are at uh, one of the highest decision-making tables in the land. Um, and let me just also say this. It also doesn't have to be an either-or proposition. Um, there is an opportunity where we can both have a Black uh, woman appointed to a Senate seat and a member of the Latinx community appointed as well. And the easiest way that we can do that is if Senator Feinstein uh, stepped down and retired um, and gave up her seat um, to ensure that uh, a growing demographic block in uh, California, that being the Latinx community, also has a seat at this table. So um, to the, you know, just to the, the issue of, of Senator Feinstein weighing in, you know, um, I think we all would thank her for her many decades uh, of service uh, to uh, to California and to this country. Um, and that if she is, um, you know, so adamant that um, a Latinx be appointed to a U.S. Senate seat, then she should do the honors of retiring so that he can have her seat. I'm going to ask Alicia the same question for, as it, from an organizer perspective, a boots on the ground perspective. You know, I've had the, I've honestly living here in Richmond and had this conversation with black and brown students. And I told them, do not allow whiteness to make you fight over equity. Can you speak a little bit more from an organizer's perspective of this, this concept of black and brown folks having to fight for power and equity? Sure. Well, so I wanna start off with this cause I couldn't agree more with Kimberly that um, we're missing the boat in this conversation. It's not an either or with people of color, with marginalized communities, it's always a both and. <laughs> that is the character and the nature of our lives, right? And that is how power is organized. And so if we want to interrupt how power is being organized, um, the way that power organizes our lives is to try to get us to see our joint conditions as an either or. Either I make it or you make it, but we can't both make it at the same time. But what we know from history is that that has never been true. And, you know, even though we collectively are the majority of the population of this state, um, we are not the majority of the population of people who make the damn rules. And so, you know, we've got to think about it from a strategic perspective. 
Now, with that being said, I actually deeply disagree with some of the arguments that, uh, you know, Governor Newsom is reported to allegedly be making in terms of, you know, well, you know, Latinx people are 38% of the state and they need to be represented. Let me just be really clear here. Um, What I think is actually happening here is the worst of representational politics. And I say that because, um, you know, (laughs) if I was just to keep it 100, um, I don't trust that this is an altruistic move on the governor's part. And nobody should. This is no shade to him. It's just to say um, people don't govern by doing nice things for each other. People govern because uh, out of self-interest and out of moving from place to place. So um, we should just call that what it is. But number two, I think the question for Black and Brown folks in this state is, what do we need to do together collectively to amass more power? And frankly, I 100% agree with Kimberly that, um, in essence, you know, the way that we get to more power for all of us is by joining forces. Um, And 100% agree that um, Senator Feinstein's seat, in my opinion, um, should be represented by somebody with a progressive vision from the Latinx community. Again, for the same reason that I laid out before, that we actually have an opportunity to put the values of this state on the map at a time in our country's um, current political makeup where our values actually really do matter, okay? Um, Last thing I will say here is, um, you know, I I wanna caution um, us as people who are marginalized, um, not to take the bait and switch and not to fall for the okie doke it might be enticing in this moment to say, well, screw everybody else as long as we got our people in there, that's all good. But let me say this, child. I want you to weigh in on, does this person share your values for where you wanna see this state going? And does this person share your values for where you want the country to go? Now you don't see us being like, well, any old black person will do, child. We got names and receipts, okay? names and receipts. So there's that on that. But bigger than that, I think, you know, so much of what we need to be pushing in this moment is not the same white supremacist tactics that have divided us in the past. We should not look at this as if we are scrapping for crumbs, because you know what? The meals are full for some of these folks, okay? They are gorged (laughs) gorged in abundance, which means abundance exists. It's about how it's being distributed. So for me, I feel like this. We need more Black and Brown people in government in California. We need more Black and Brown folks in government federally. And those folks need to represent not just no, but no one person can represent Black people everywhere or Latinx people everywhere. What we're trying to represent here is undoing rules that have been rigged against our communities for a very long time. And in order for us to do that, we have to be willing to challenge power. And that is exactly what Senator, former Senator Harris was willing to do. Damn it, it's how she got to be um, nominated to be the vice president and how she became the vice president-elect. And it's very similar for Congresswoman Bass and very similar for Congresswoman Lee, 
who was the damn lone vote against the Iraq war. So listen now, child. What I'm telling you, the point of the game here is to unrig the rules that have been rigged, not just to put somebody who looks like us in a seat and keep the rules rigged. Alicia, I want to say that you posted something on Facebook the other day. I think you were introducing or graduating your fellows um, at the fund who had just finished the policy program. And you, I've, I've been struggling how to figure out my positioning on policy. And I think what you said is that we need to teach more people how to do policy so they can create policy and undo the policies that have been oppressing us. And I think that that is so important, you know, when we're looking at putting folks in these positions. I want to ask Amy, you know, regardless of what Gavin Newsom does, we are looking for, we are looking at what's going to be a fight for the next one or two election cycles in 2022 and in 2024. What do you lay out for somebody like me who starts to get the terms confused. What are we looking at going into 2022? I believe that Senator Feinstein's seat is up in 2022, or is it Senator Harris's seat? Yeah. I know hers is very soon. I, I, I would just say what Alicia and Kimberly laid out around the dynamics of representation in the Senate on behalf of California and the national implications. I agree 100%. The only argument that I keep hearing, which is a false story, about Senator Feinstein is she's so senior that if she stepped down, California wouldn't be in a, a legislative leadership position. That is not true because she already stepped down from her powerful chairmanships uh, in these committees. She's preparing to not be influential in the same way uh, in this next year. And it's worth talking about, because while we're talking about the power of Black, Latinx, and Asian Americans, we also have to talk about the waning power of our most senior, the most senior senator, you know, in the country, who's almost 89, uh, and what California needs. So when we have someone so out of touch with the people of California, it's time to make a change. So I agree, uh, she, uh, this is a time for her to show uh, a new kind of leadership that's solidarity with racial justice and uh, support for gender justice and um, in, in some ways um, welcome the new generation of leadership on behalf of California. Uh, that's what I think should happen. So when we look at um, whoever is appointed in this spot, it's got to be able to raise money and run in two years. And I think that that dynamic is very important because you want to put someone in who has a track record of strong fundraising but also a track record of being able to work uh, statewide in, in coalescing the number of voters they're going to need for re-election. Uh, Barbara Lee is uh, supported not only by what, you know, by different uh, factions of the Democratic Party. She's widely, widely revered. You know, remember, like someone like Barbara Lee has legislative leadership. She was uh, uh, leader in the Progressive Caucus in, in, in Congress. She, she uh, was the co-chair of the Cannabis Caucus. They just passed legislation with her leadership legalizing marijuana. It's sitting on McConnell's desk. She uh, has been for almost 20 years uh, demanding that the Hyde Amendment, amendment which has blocked reproductive uh, justice for uh, former military people, people in the military, poor women, and affects women of color, black and brown women most of all, She's been the major voice there. I, I see that that kind of legislative leadership coupled with fundraising, both on her part and on Karen Bass's part, positioning them perfectly for re-election in a couple of years in that, in that seat. But we also have to look at 
what's happening nationally, because this is not a California issue, as we've talked about. This is a uh, major implications on our ability to push through the kinds of legislation changes that we need as a country. We're in trouble. We're in a lot of trouble. So right now, there's a focus on getting Trump out, his transition out, and bringing in a new administration. But what we need to be quickly pivoting to is what is the agenda in the first 100 days and the first year? And we are, some of that can be accomplished. Some of the changes in terms of undoing the Muslim ban, um, take, uh, you know, changing some of the rules, uh, the Biden-Harris administration can do through executive orders, but many, many more are dependent on um, the Senate. And as we saw historically in California state legislature, and I know Kimberly Ellis with her deep and vast state experience would be able to talk about this a lot. When California first got a supermajority of Democrats, it did not have people, uh, the majority, whose values aligned with um, helping those who were marginalized, who were suffering, who needed the government to serve the people. And as a result, that supermajority did not get things done. We cannot allow that to happen. Black women will lead. Uh, I believe the turnout that Kimberly, you, you were saying the numbers are just staggering in terms of the turnout, early vote in a place like Georgia where the two Senate seats will determine who has the majority with Kamala Harris, our vice president as tiebreaker in the Senate. Um, and I think that we're, uh, when we look at the turnout in Georgia, we're talking about the majority of those black voters who are overwhelming Democrat are black women. Definitely will carry the day there and um, definitely will carry the legislative agenda. So when we look at a group like Higher Heights, which is a very well-respected group who um, supports black women nationally um, and also uh, helps to uh, do a lot of polling, they just had a poll that came out that talked about not just uh, uh, black women in terms of voting, but what we care about. We wanna see cash relief. We wanna see moratoriums on written mortgage payments. Uh, we, we need to see uh, immediate changes in healthcare. Um, we, want, we want to deal with the rise of white supremacy and um, police violence against our communities. Those should comprise the first 100 days and first year agenda. So we need a Senator from California who's gonna push that uh, uh, set of uh, agendas so that we can govern in a way that really serves not just black women, not just people in California, but the, but the whole country who's suffering right now. Okay, well, I have one more question before we get to today's very important Black question, because you know that I have one. Kimberly, what are the next steps? What can our viewers do to try and, we know that the governor has not made any announcements yet. Um, what can they do to keep the pressure on Governor Newsom to, to appoint a Black woman? Well, first and foremost, they need to call him. Um, hopefully we can get put in the chat the direct number to the governor's office, uh, call him, call his chief of staff, Ann O'Leary, uh, call um, all of the people who are in his office, tag him on social media with the hashtag keep the seat um, uh, hashtag. Um, I would also, you know, I think this is a great time to bring in, you know, um, his chief of staff, Ann O'Leary, who is a woman, the first partner, um, especially when you consider um, all of her work that she has done on gender equity. Um, it is time for us to really have a conversation um, directly with them about this seat. And so everyone can join into that conversation. We have been very active over the last uh, several weeks um, doing the exact same thing. Uh, but the more voices, uh, the better. I would, I would um, say, especially to our white 
allies and accomplices out, out, out there, um, like Rihanna said, it's time for y'all to pull up. It's time for y'all to uh, pull up. We have had our shoulder to the wheel on this and so many other issues for so long. Um, it, it is, um, it is un unconscionable that we continue to bear this burden alone. Uh, we need your help and we are asking directly for your help right now. Um, and especially to the donor community and very specifically to the white woman donor community. Um, we need you to continue to raise your voices and to continue to um, let Governor Newsom know and First Partner that you are with us and standing shoulder to shoulder with us on this effort um, and that he should do the right thing and appoint a black woman to this seat. And definitely we're, we're going to have someone who's going to put the, the number where they can call Governor Newsom, any other information where they can reach out and contact um, if you're ever at a loss, I know that Amy, Alicia, and Kimberly have done an amazing job of signal boosting on their Twitter and Instagram and other places. I like to just go and steal things from social media. That's the easiest way to do this. Um, Amy, do you have any final thoughts when we get out of here about um, this appointment? Any last things that you want the public to hear and know? Yeah. In addition, everything Kimberly said. Uh, you know, tweeting actually works and tag the governor, tag the governor's, the, the uh, Gavin Newsom's personal account, the official accounts, um, and let it be known what it is that you want for California. Uh, and uh, we have a hashtag, keep the seat, hashtag appoint a black woman, and uh, we need, to, they, they need to hear from you right now. Uh, the, uh, the word on the street is we're going to have the announcement before Christmas. So we have really a few more days and then uh, supposedly the announcement's going to be made. And it is not a done deal, no matter what you hear, uh, that your voice really does matter. So I think now is the time uh, to post on social media and tag as well as directly contact the office, like Kimberly was saying. Um, I, 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 I always want us to realize in the way that uh, black women and other women of color have been denigrated and dismissed and sidelined by embracing what uh, some have called identity politics. I want, I want everyone to be assured that the identity is the very thing that uniquely prepares us for the fight ahead to repair the damage that has been done by uh, nationally <laughs> to, to the people in the state of California and to um, bring us to a new era. If we have the right people uh, in, this, in this Senate seat, and also we, we commit to that, people who support our values and willing to fight on our behalf. So I want us to feel encouraged in the last few days as this uh, decision's being made uh, to uh, make sure your voice is heard. It actually matters a lot. Thank you. Alicia, do you have any last words for the, the public as far as how they can get involved in, in this and any other um, issues regarding Black women in political seats? Yeah, well, um, first and foremost, keep having this conversation. Um, Amy, you know, you couldn't be more correct in saying that identity politics is what uniquely positions us to actually have representation that is changing the rules that have been rigged against us for so long. And, you know, I'm somebody who believes very deeply that um, identity politics is a shorthand way of saying 
who's got power and who ain't got it. And so, um, you know, we don't wake up in the morning um, just mad to be mad about being black and being women and being queer and being gender nonconforming. We mad because when we walk out the door, if we have a door to begin with, child, we feel every single day how the rules have been rigged. And so that's why it matters so much to us to have somebody in those positions who's making decisions based on having had that experience so that their solutions are better and actually change our lives. The other thing that you can do, of course, is you can sign our petition. We have a petition up to Governor Newsom. You can find it at black, the number two, thefuture.org. We've had thousands of people sign already, so we need your voice. Please, please, please sign our petition and definitely make sure that you make those calls. Call all your people who have written checks to the Democratic Party in California um, this year in particular, because we know not enough of that money went to Black people either, child. So if you want to repair, begin to repair some of that harm, call those donors and let them know they need to call the governor today and make their voices heard, that we need to go forwards, not backwards. All right. Well, Amy, you are new to the C-Dub show, so you don't know how this goes down at the end, but I'm going to ask a very important, very Black question, and this actually is related to the topic. Okay, so there was this big hullabaloo on social media on Thanksgiving when Senator Harris posted her Thanksgiving dressing recipe, and I would like to let Senator Harris know she's watching this. I love you dearly. I don't like your recipe. I need you to just know that, but it sparked this conversation amongst Black people. Dressing or stuffing? Is it dressing or stuffing? Do Black people eat dressing or stuffing? Amy Allison, is it dressing or stuffing? It's stuffing. No, and also, explain. <laughs> just tell me, or stuffing. It's stuffing. It's cornbread. It's, okay. It's stuffing. <laughs> Kimberly Allison, dressing or stuffing? I'm originally from Tennessee. Those of you who know me, is always and forever cornbread dressing. Alicia Garza, you know, I always people people need the Black Lives Matter perspective, dressing or stuffing. Okay, I'm not giving the Black Lives Matter perspective because you know I can't do that. But I grew up with it as dressing. And just to make it even more complicated, I'm good off both. I don't like dressing. Oh you know what? <laughs> on that note, <laughs> thank you. And everyone. I'm low carb. I don't even eat, I don't eat carbs. So <laughs> I'll eat them I'll, all. I don't even eat them. I'll take it for you, Alicia and Amy. I'll take it all. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> all so much. Thank you, Amy. Thank you, Alicia. Thank you, Kimberly, for participating in this conversation. Thank you, viewers. Please make sure that you are checking for how you can call the governor, how you can email the governor, how you can sign a position so we can get this very important appointment done. You can find the C-Dub Show across all social media platforms at the C-Dub Show. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter and now on Clubhouse, my new addiction to Clubhouse. If you want to talk to me all day and night, find me on all of these forums at C-Dub The Host. Thank you so much again. You all have a great and amazing holiday and day.